All right, let's uh, knock this mother out. Yep. Degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop their wide selection of FC Dallas, U.S. national team gear, European club gear. They got everything, jersey scarves, tees. They even got those uh, messy jerseys if that's your jam. Third Degree listeners get 20% off when you use the code ThirdDegree at Soccer90.com. 20% off, code ThirdDegree, Soccer90.com. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to... A playoff edition of Third Degree, the podcast, episode number 234, 234. Hi, it's me, Peter, and it's the full trio of your favorite burn talkers. First off, he's back and ready to roll in the playoffs. Dan Crook, howdy, Dan. All right. Uh, That's all I get is an all right. I mean, uh... Hi, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Genuine as always. I love it. Uh, and it's your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, and the original, Buzz Carrick, come in Buzz. Peter, I've decided that every time I get a, a big head in my, uh, about how we're up on episode 234, 235, I just go listen to uh, the kick around and you guys are at 5,870 and I just- No, we're not. I feel like, oh, <laughs> I think we just did like episode 345. We're like a oh, hundred no. ahead of you or something. It's got to be more than that. Uh, we've been doing we've been doing the show since 2014. I know. You guys are a long timers. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Here we are. Boys, can you believe it? We survived. We are in a, we are back to playoff mode as Dallas did the business against the Galaxy. We'll get into the game just here in a little bit. But I want your honest reaction. Dan, you get to go first. Okay, are you ready for this? You got to be honest engine here, Dan. Are you surprised we're in the playoffs? No, they should have sealed it two games ago. Okay. But after losing to Colorado, you were not surprised they did the business in L.A.? No, because LA is crap, and uh, you know Dallas has a really good thing about beating, uh, absolutely destroying LA on the last day of the season. Apparently, okay, all right, fair. Buzz, are you surprised we're here? Uh, a little, I, but based on the form over the last couple of months, I thought they would tie that last game at LA, and that somebody would jump them and they would miss. Um, so I was really surprised more by how they played and how well they played than anything, and. Uh, I was pleasantly happy about it, but it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised from the beginning of the year. We assumed they'd make the playoffs. I'm surprised from their form over the last month and a half that they didn't tie that game, and that would have been probably getting them out. Well, that leads us into Dallas 4, LA Galaxy 1, because I think the surprise is why doesn't everybody just play low block against Dallas? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I just yeah. don't get it. Yeah. Like why? I mean, you you don't have your A team. Your roster of guys that you have left over clearly uh, don't appear to have the body language of a bunch of guys that are super excited about playing this game. Why would you come out and play a high line against Dallas? 
It's a good question because Dallas obviously really struggles when people do that. Um, but I, play I, a low block against them. Yeah, don't play yeah. a low block. Yeah, I mean, or do play a low block. Uh, I, I even had talked a little bit to Coach about that today. You know, he's very aware that they're at their absolute best when the other team has a, more of the ball or that it's even, and, and the teams want to open it up and play, and that he knows that when teams low block them and they end up with this six, seven, eight hundred passes, that that's not good. That's not when the, what this team is really built for and what it does really well. Um, which is not to say that he's anti-possession by any means, but he recognizes that it's a deficiency. You know, they know it is. But as I say sometimes to lots of people, look, there's a reason why teams all over the world play low blocks, particularly when you're playing a team that's better than you, is because it's really, really effective. You know, I think what happens in MLS is that there's so much parity that teams all, everybody thinks they're pretty good. You know, and particularly when you're at home, you think you have a real advantage. And there's a lot of teams that are pretty adamant about we're going to play. You know, it's only the teams that are really poor or the obviously poor or obviously really defensive that say, you know, I'm just going to low block, you know, against Dallas. It doesn't happen as much as you would think just because everyone thinks they're better. It was uh, it was amazing to watch because it was pretty obvious from the jump that they were setting themselves up for, you know, a ball in from behind. And it took, what, four minutes and then, of course, it was Bernie Camungo because what we need, what I need to get back to is is our delight at the starting eleven. Buzz, we were really excited that Nico put out an attacking-minded team, which really played into LA's hands, considering that LA was coming out to play themselves. You know what's funny about that is I need to have a conversation with somebody about where they come up with these shapes because when I had a conversation with Coach today about the different lineup from just even just the Colorado game to this game, and he said it's the same lineup. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, no, it's the same. It's the same tactics. You know, the important thing to remember is that this coach in particular has this very modern philosophy about occupation of space. And so he talked to me, like I said, okay, tell, tell me about it then. Explain it to me. And he talked about um, the idea that when they defend, they defend the, the front group, if you will, because that's what we're talking about here, is they defend back and they, they play four across with one up high, which is, you know, that's pretty normal. We see that all the time. It compresses. When they go forward, they have three wide across the top and then they have two guys in the pocket, you know, so that is always the same. Uh, it might change a little bit who ends up in those pockets, but he said, he said the tactics against Colorado and Texas versus LA were the same. The difference is completely in what the other team does. <laughs> Colorado played a low block. They played a very narrow low block. So we ended up seeing Alan Velasco go wide to the left. And we all saw Jesus go wide to the right. Both those guys were supposed to be playing like as a double 10 kind of look which is exactly what they did uh, against LA Galaxy. They just slightly altered in the sense that Jesus was back as a pure nine, you know, and it was, it was, um, uh, I can't even talk, Velasco and I think Paxton underneath. So the tactics overall were the same. So what I particularly liked in the LA game, of course, was that um, because they were so aggressively, because because LA was so wide open and maybe in anticipation of LA being wide open and the fact that they wanted to get Camungo on the field allowed them to play Areola in the far left position, which isn't what usually happens. And they put Camungo on the far right position on the wing, which is a switch foot wing situation, which is a very modern, very attacking philosophy where you're cutting inside. And I think that was actually the biggest thing that really tore LA apart was their wings couldn't handle Paul and, and Camungo coming in those angles into those holes between their back line. So I, I, it's weird to me in a way, sometimes the way he says that it's the same formation and I'm, same tactics, not formation. And I'm standing there looking at it before the game. And I'm like, it does not look the same to me, 
But apparently to them, in terms of the game execution, it actually is the same. And the same spaces are being occupied, even if it's by slightly different people, if that makes any sense to you. we uh, I was, I don't know if you were, surprised Kamungo got the start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This coach, generally speaking, has seemed to believe that if you miss training before the game, if you're not there for three or four days before the game, you're not going to play. But uh, he told me that he had in mind all along that he knew that uh, Bernie was in a really good form and in really fit. And he, and he was only traveling from Arizona. It's not like he was really far away. So, you know, he, and he didn't play a heavy workload. So he said, I knew I was going to start him. And he came back and he trained Thursday in Dallas. And then they traveled and then he trained Friday. And he said he told Bernie on Friday that he was going to start him. So I, I think that he knew all along that he was going to. None of us knew, of course, because we hadn't seen training with that happening. I assumed, like always, that a guy was gone. He wouldn't just walk back in, particularly a guy like Bernie. You know, like with an Ariola's gone, he can walk back in. But so, yeah, it was super exciting to see him because Bernie, as we as we all know by now, has got an absolute knack for scoring big goals and big moments and taking advantage of those moments when they come. There's, there's a lot of flaws in his game still. He has a lot to learn still. But you cannot deny that when you get him in a goal-scoring opportunity in front of the net, he converts. Oh and my he puts gosh. himself in great moments like that all the time. You know, and, and you're willing to live with the other deficiencies because that part is so good. I, I, I don't know. Dan, if you had to say you could pick any player on your team on a one-on-one breakaway with the goalkeeper, is there anybody else that you would pick over Bernie at this point to assure that you're going to get a goal out of that situation? No, definitely not. I think, um, you know, just writing notes for the, uh, for, for the, uh, the little awards part later on, one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, Benny Kamungo was joint second top scorer. He matched Alan Velasco's goals, uh, goal uh, contributions, goals and assists on just 500 minutes. And the two goals in LA were just a perfect example. Just break away. He does well. He doesn't make stupid decisions. Uh, there was that goal earlier in the season when he went around the keeper. It wasn't like, uh, you know, sometimes Jesus will do that cut back to his left, cut back to his right, cut back to his left. Three defenders have got back. Just lash it at somebody's legs and watch it go out for a throw-in. Yeah, Bernie doesn't do that. He is like that kind of almost like Robbie Fowler type instinctive finisher. It was super impressive, and the fact that it happened so early in the game set a really uh, clear tone that this was not going to be a grind of a game like we've seen for the last, I don't know, half season out of the team. Um, so... Uh, we'll get into more detail, but the overriding question that I think we got to get to as we move forward into the playoffs is what we saw in a 4-1 win in the Galaxy when you got it, when you when we all admit we just they needed three points. Getting one point wasn't going to cut it, et cetera, et cetera. Although maybe in retrospect it would have because Portland lost. Um, is it an anomaly and can we really count on that moving into the playoffs? Or do you think we will now go back, Buzz, to seeing more of what we had been seeing for the last several weeks, if not months, out of the team? Well, I think, um, as always with this team, it's going to come down to who you play and how they respond and, and how they want to play. You know, when, when you, if you look ahead to the possible opponents that they're going to have in, in their side of the bracket, you know, you can. Uh, Seattle is actually very similar to teams of Dallas, statistically speaking. But on their field, they're going to probably want to come at you pretty good. They're going to want to dominate you mentally. 
And so that, that'll play into Dallas's hands because D- Dallas will probably have to sit back and take a lot of punches quit early. But again, that's Dallas's strength, right? You want to do that. The The problem will become is if Sa- Seattle gets a lead, of course, then, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves in this conversation, Seattle will then go defensive on you and then you're going to struggle to break them down. Mm-hmm. If, if you can get past Seattle and you get LAFC, well, LAFC will want to play. They'll want to open it up. Dallas actually does pretty well against them, generally speaking, because of that, because LA is not going to low block. They're going to come out and go because they're really talented across the board. I'm assuming that Vancouver is not going to get past them. I, I really don't know much about Vancouver, to be honest, uh, to tell you how they, they, they play, other than I feel it's pretty direct. I believe they usually play a Christmas tree, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they also want to play, if I remember the games they played against SC Dallas. I don't remember Vancouver low blocking. Um, if you if you look at RSL in that side, the top half of the bracket, RSL is the team they smoked three one because at home the other, the other uh, month ago because they tried to play and didn't want to bunker. Houston doesn't bunker. Houston tries to play too when they have their complete midfield available. You remember the game Dallas had against them a while back, um, less than a month ago. That was not a bunker game. So really, the only team that you can see. Uh, if, if Kansas City gets past San Jose, Kansas City is not a bunker team. St. Louis is not a bunker team. The only team that really is a bunker team left is San Jose. So you have to be pretty optimistic that you're going to get teams that are going to want to open it up in the playoffs because good teams want to open it up usually. The, the problem will come was when teams take leads, and then you're going to be really struggling because Seattle, in particular, of course, will go really defensive once they get 1-0 on you. You know, they've allowed – I think they've seen a lot of less goals than Dallas did. They're a better defensive team than Dallas. All right, we'll we'll do a lot more Seattle preview here in a second because I think there's some interesting talking points about the similarities between these two teams. But going back to the Alexi, uh, LA Galaxy game first, yeah, uh, there's a note in here in the famous crayon, red crayon <laughs> written hand uh, run sheet. Is it says first half was peak Nico ball. What do you mean by that, Buzz? Yeah, because LA wanted to play, um, Dallas executed their their tactic uh, as best as it you know we we can see it. And what I mean by that is that LA had sixty percent of the possession, and FC Dallas only had forty percent, which is not ideal. But if you would ask coach, that's not perfect. But he does recognize that they play really well when they're in this situation. And as as you can see by how good it was, how good their counter. It's not a counterattack. It's it's transition game. When they turn you over and transition back at you, um, you know it's it's quick transition. It's quick taking advantage of you before you reset. They ended up with, um, what was it, uh, thirteen shots to four out shooting LA. LA had sixty percent of the possession. Dallas had thirteen shots to their four, and six of the Dallas shots were on target. So this is a perfect example of very low possession high chance creation, and very efficient shooting. So this is like the ultimate example of exactly the kind of game Dallas wants to play. And when they're at their very best, they're pretty much unstoppable in this. Now, compare that to the second half. They did not do that. (laughs) They sat back. They relaxed. They only had two shots on goal. That was not a good example in the second half of what good Nico ball looks like. So that, that game was a really good example of the kind of play that you get from this team and if you get the first half play against this team, they can literally beat anybody on any day if they can get you a teams open up and let them play like this. So that's what I mean by it's a perfect example of new Nico Balls as good as it gets. Dan, any uh, particular thoughts or observations about the game that you wanted to share? Uh, it was it was fun seeing uh, the guys kind of coming up against Edwin and you know seeing some some typical Edwin play and you know how everyone reacts to that. 
uh, as far as the game itself. When you mean Edwin I, being, you mean him being just kind of uh, being his hard nose, try to get under people's skin self? Yeah, exactly. You know, leaving a foot in, going in a little bit harder, the shoulder in the back. Just uh, the way he kind of tries, yeah, exactly like you say, how he tries to get under player's skin. I think it was, uh, it, it was fun to see him, you know, trying to prove a point a little bit and just giving... Uh, maybe a little bit of bite to what's an end of season game with one of the teams having nothing to play. Yeah. Cool. I love that about Edwin. Yeah. I, I, listen, for me, that stuff, like the, the reactions to Edwin is a non-starter. Like the thing with the, where he injured um, Bernie, which is not anyone's fault. That's just two guys get tangled up and one of them rolls up the other guy. There's nothing in that at all. The, the play where he got a yellow card was a foul, certainly, and he got a, he got a little pokey in at the ball. I, I didn't think it was worth a yellow, to be honest with you. I thought it was a nothing play. I mean, it's certainly a foul, and certainly if he hits the guy, if he hits Farfan harder, and in my mind more maliciously, but I, I thought it was a pretty much a normal, I'm a six, and you've come into my space with the ball, I'm going to smack you. I mean, it wasn't unreasonable. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know why people are up generally speaking, upset about Edwin in that scenario. I mean, like you saw him before the game, he's all handshakes in love with all his buddies. I mean, it's not, you know, there's nothing in that other than like we're professional players and we're here to play. That's the game. That's how the game is played. Yeah. I've seen a hundred times worse than that in training between yeah. guys on the same team. You know, yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Carlos Carreso when, when oh. he was there. Uh, uh, Daniel Hernandez. Ooh, <laughs> Chad Deering. Oh my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that's the good stuff right yeah. there. Uh, all right, so Bernie was great, uh, and we're going to talk about Bernie's health situation here a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, Ilara was amazing. I mean, oh. that guy is – I mean, one, one, we were surprised to see Bernie start, but two, good Lord, the relief to see him actually get into the game and just do what he does. They're so much better. Uh, I don't know if he solves all the low block problems, but they just no. fundamentally are a better team, period, when he's out on the field. Well, he certainly makes it a lot better on the low block because he's he's capable of doing a double line break pass. His, his, the ball, the passes he plays on the ground, like into gaps or just behind the D is so perfectly weighted. They're just gorgeous to watch happen. You know, um, I was worried, of course, because I saw him step out of training that he might not make it into this game. And then he was in the lineup. I thought, oh, here we go. This will be fun. And even this game again, 67 touches led the team. He was like 85% passing, but 14 recoveries, which is insane. He had four blocks and three intercepts, and he was two for three on tackles, just playing as a six. The guy is just head and shoulders above everybody else on this team, uh, and it really is remarkable how good he is. You know, it's funny. The one kind of bad moment in the game when L.A. scored is a pretty funny moment in time to to – capture the thing that we talk about when players get out of position or asked to play on the opposite side. We always think about Ryan Hollingshead and how great he was on the left, but yeah. the minute they put him out on the right, it was like a different player. And I'm still not clear. I understand how um, Emma and um, Farfan got switched up on that situation, but trying to watch poor Marco have to defend Edwards on yeah. the wrong side of the field was, was uh, I think, a great example of that. Well, they they were they came off of a set play. They ended up tracking people that ended up that made them end up uh, on the wrong side of the okay. field. And then the, because Coach Nico is so conservative about positioning and defensive structure, they never got any pressure relief. Like they spent like three or four minutes trying to get the ball out, trying to get the ball out, and nobody up front held it long enough to relieve the pressure and let them switch back. And you're right, Edwards just absolutely shredded Farfan. And it's funny if you watch it because you can see that. Farfan's instincts are totally wrong. He wants to go with the wrong leg to try and tackle, and he stops himself 
and Edwards just walks past him. Now, granted, Edwards, Edwards was giving uh, Tuomasi troubles too all game. That guy's a really good player. But that play was clear, clear as day that there was a problem with Farfin being on the wrong side and having no idea how to play over there and tackle over there and take the guy to the line and, and use the, the line to help himself. So I don't blame him for it. It just was an awkward moment. It's kind of funny. There's uh, actually a really good, uh, just watching a replay, there's a really good oh shit moment that he has. And it's right, um, he kind of checks over his shoulder and takes that one step away from the byline as if he was on the left side going towards it, realizes he's gone the wrong way. And then, you know, Raheem Edwards sees that space and go and drives for it. Uh, and then that leads to, like you say, he kind of, you know, he makes tries to make the tackle of his left foot away from his body rather than, you know, coming across with his right and trying to use his body. Yeah, it's important to mention that it wasn't a planned switch. Nobody had some crazy idea to make those guys play on the wrong foot. It just came off of a tracking of a set play and they ended up on the wrong side. Well, it didn't uh, mean anything as Dallas obviously ends up winning the game, winning big, getting the playoff spot. In fact, I don't know if based on all of the scenarios uh, we had kind of pondered were possible out of that particular weekend, I think I'm correct in saying this was actually the best case scenario because not only did they win the game, get a playoff spot, but they avoided the playoff, the play-in games that are taking place tonight when we record this on Wednesday. Yeah, they, they finished with the, of the five teams that were for the three spots, they finished the highest of those five teams. So they got as high as they could get on that given day and avoided the play-in game and, and got, you know, by the standings, whatever you want to call it, they got the weakest opponent possible. They got the third place opponent, which is LAFC, instead of getting two Seattle or one. I'm sorry, they got they got two, uh, two LAFC Seattle. Oh, that's why. I'm being stupid. I forgot the playing game was below them. I'm dumb. Uh, but they didn't get St. Louis and they didn't get the playoff game playing game. They got Seattle, which is better than getting the playing game in St. Louis. The other thing that's interesting about this game is are you guys aware this is the only time all season Dallas has scored four ga- four goals in a game? Yeah. Isn't that First crazy? I'm in since what, August twenty twenty two? Oh, has it been that long, really? Yeah. It's, you know, they're not a particularly prolific scoring team. You know? No, but I mean, based yeah. on everything that we've been talking about and complaining and fretting about for the last two or three months, to score four uh, in the game that you really needed it, you know, kind of your last-ditch effort was uh, pretty pretty entertaining. And, and, and for all of the other consternation and everything, they are undefeated now in what their last, is it nine games, eight games? Is it, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, nine games. They haven't lost uh, since they lost um, uh, against Seattle. I mean, St. Louis back um, way, way, a while ago. Well, as you point out, I mean, they had the 3-1 game at Salt Lake when Salt Lake wanted to play, you know, and other than that, they played uh, some some teams that wanted to open it up like Columbus and Philly, you know, and Houston, but those are all pretty good teams. And then they had San Jose come in and Colorado come in in low block. So they really hadn't had a chance to have somebody really not very good defensively, which the Galaxy aren't, want to open it up and play. So, like, it's the first time in a while we've seen them try and basically run it up against somebody. I mean, if – they did have a four goal game against uh, Inter Miami back in League's Cup. Right. It well, was a tie, but. Well, in the, I'm just talking four goals in the league. Yes, I yeah. guess they had scored. I forgot about well, the Miami game. It's funny about that. Like, look back at when we talked about how great League's Cup was. When we talked about they had moved 
for, from our eyes, they were playing this formation where Allen was actually playing as an eight. And they went through that thing. They scored two goals against Charlotte, three goals against Nacoxa, two goals against Mazatlan, four goals against Miami. You know, they were exploding uh, in that time. Then they played Austin and beat them one nothing, also with that same formation. I don't remember what they did against St. Louis because that was the last 20-minute thing. Then they tied Atlanta and then they tied Seattle and then they beat RSL with Paxton playing that role instead. So, you know, they had that really hot run and then they went away from that idea of what to us looks like Allen as this free eight, you know, vanished for a while. He was sort of back out on the wing again, playing that high and wide position. And then now that he's come back sort of more inside to me, you know, it looks, I think in just this one game, coach says the last three games, but you know, it looks so much better once they don't play a low block. Hold on a second. I'm just thinking about something because I'm working off the, as we co- were commenting before we hit the red button to record this, the ridiculously maddening MLS website. They won that game against St. Louis. No, that was the away game. Where is the St. Louis game? In... Was the St. Louis game was the one from June and that got pushed? That's the 2-0 game? That's the 2-0 on. wins, the one against June that wasn't actually in June. It actually, half ah, it was in June, okay. half it was later. All the right. one that was they lost was... At St. Louis at was St. the Louis. one. Too. Okay, all in right. August. I wanted to make sure that the website hadn't gotten that goofed up because of the broken up uh, timing of that yeah, game. Yeah, we, right? so, we talked about the game in a revenge game, remember? They went up yes, there. It was yes, like literally yes. like three weeks after they lost to to Dallas. You know, they're going to, oh, they're going to be mad. You know, so... All right. Very good. Uh, before we move away from the L.A. game, and I have a feeling this is going to come up a lot when we get into our favorite things or uh, kind of quasi awards. Uh, pause once again, just outstanding. Oh, yeah, he really was. Uh, you know, I don't I'm not a believer in that XG stuff. So like those kind of things where they're like they're on their XG allowed or whatever is like, man, all you do is watch the game. And he saves goals that most people would not a couple of times a game. You know, sometimes it's when he has five or six saves, there are five or six saves that everybody should make. But almost always there's a couple in there that only 10%, 20% of keepers are going to save. And those those saves are massive. You know, he... I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but there's... Uh, you know you've made a good save when the striker that you saved it from walks up and gives you a high five. And I believe yeah. I saw that from Jokovic uh, did, yeah. in, during the game. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a... You got to feel good about that if you're Mr. Paws. Yeah, there was a couple of those saves he made that are not often made in this league. Not by, you know, not unless you're talking about keepers at the top five, six keepers in the league, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's the greatest keeper in the world. I'm just saying that he's one of the best keepers in this league and he won't get any attention at all for the league awards. And that's a shame. Uh, I did have, uh, well, Buzz, I will say in one of the um, articles about predicting the playoffs, the author of this particular one did mention he's probably the hottest goalkeeper going right now in the oh, league. Oh, nice. So, Love seeing that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right, uh, Dan, anything else about the L.A. game before we move on that you want to talk about? No, sir. Okay. So that takes us up to training. Before we get into the Seattle game, Buzz, today you were out at the facility. You got yep. to see the guys going. You got to talk to the coach staffers and all that stuff what you got for us well uh herbert indole showed up haven't seen him in a couple of months so <laughs> that's good i guess hey herbie and, yeah herbie uh Diego garcia who's the it's a 17 year old kid from a place for north texas mostly he was in he got a first team invite um 
There's Carl Sante from North Texas got a first team invite, who's a six basically, and he was there to to replace Facundo, who was missing. Um, and we can talk about Facundo in a second. Nico Montoya, who's the U17 keeper, he's been in the first team camp all summer. He's probably getting the Carrera Eye Stone treatment. What you will, he's far away from being ready, but he's the next guy in that line if you're into that kind of thing. Um, Legit, Sebastian Legit took 100% part in training all the way, front to back. Looks 100% fine to me. If he makes it to this weekend with no setback, I'm assuming he'll be available for selection in the first game against Seattle. And if not the first game, absolutely the second game. So that's a real added benefit because it gives you some ability to maybe change things up when you're going from road to home and that kind of thing and give yourself some different kind of looks. Missing from training again, I mentioned is Facundo Quinone. So it turns out that he has been hurt, but he is no longer hurt. And he was not there because he's getting, he went home to get his green card, which huh? is amazing. So apparently he's been working on it and he got that approval. So he went home like you have to do. And then you go and you have an interview and then you wait a week and then they call you back and you pick it up and you come back. So they let him go at this exact time right now. He probably was still coming off his injury when they let him leave to go get it. So hopefully he'll be back. I have no idea when. Okay, hold on. Wait a second. Yeah. That sounds like ridiculously poor timing. It does, other than he was hurt. But I think it says something about where he is in the rotation that they're like, yeah, sure, go get it. In fairness, those in those uh, appointments are very hard to come by. So that really would affect his status for 2024. Yeah, once they give you the meeting, you can't not go to the meeting or it causes, I think it causes you problems in terms of getting it, you know. But his his likelihood of playing for FC Dallas as a domestic player versus an international too. Yeah, very different. In 2024, very, yeah. Very huge. different, yeah. So, you know, when he'll be back, I have no idea. Because you know how those, if you've been around long and if you know those green card things, sometimes it's a day or two, sometimes it's a week or two, but that's where he is, so. All right, so hold on. Let me just put this, let me pressure test this. Yeah. If they didn't have a, a, a Ilara, if he didn't exist in this roster, Oof. And this was going on in the middle, and the playoffs were starting, and the LA Galaxy game was going on. Are you telling me uh, Facundo's <laughs> going to get his green card? I don't know. I didn't ask that. That's a good question. But we, Paxton you know, six. What? Paxton six. I mean, you. We we saw when when Facundo was hurt, we saw a Paxton uh, Frazier combo. So it's not unthinkable. You know, in the in the deciding game of the season that you got to win, I don't know. It is what it is. All right. Is Facundo that much better than Frazier? Uh yes. Oh, okay. I think so. I mean, he's better, but I don't know. He's yeah, that yeah. much better. You know. I mean, look, it's impossible to say. I didn't ask, and I don't know. Oh, I know. It just <laughs> it, it just seems weird to me that I, that the idea that a you know a key player, a guy that's been a key yeah. player all season goes off to get his green card on the most important part of the season. I mean, it's but, super weird timing, but I think it's okay. I, mean, I don't think they made okay. Yeah, no, hey, they made yeah. it in. But yeah. now we don't know if he's available for the Seattle game. No, we don't. We don't. You know, he'll be back when he's back. You know, coach said he is 100% healthy now, so when he does come back, he'll, he'll be available. But he was injured like a week and a half ago. So. We all do realize if he was Eastern European and not South American, we'd never see him again. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, uh, we'll get into offseason stuff when we get to the offseason, but I, it certainly affects that. So, all right. Why is important. Okay. So, Bernie yeah. is okay. Ber Bernie's status. Look, I, I asked the question about, like, you know, is Bernie as a young guy, does he need to learn to fight through that and stay in there? Coach said, well, sort of, except that if he would have stayed in, 
he, he thanks coach that Bernie probably wouldn't be available for the next game that because he took himself out, he's now fine. Like that if he would have run on it, it might've swollen up on him, you know? Uh-huh. So Bernie was on the side doing very basic stuff, but coach said they fully expect him to play in the next game. And they think he will play in the next game because he took himself out of this game. So that also worked out. I mean, if it had been, you know, if they hadn't already been winning by a couple of goals, would he have fought to stay on? They might've told him to stay on possibly, but it actually has worked out in their favor apparently. So, yeah, I found that whole uh, incident with the trainer when he went down to be very weird. Like that whole scene looked really weird to me, like odd, like something weird was going on there. And I'm not saying anything nefarious. It was just that the trainer seemed convinced that Bernie was just fine and should get back out there was tapping his head like, hey, it's a mental thing, yeah. and stamping his foot. And then Bernie, of course, immediately comes off. And I thought, you know, I and then, you know, we had this exchange about maybe, you know, it's just a young guy learning to I'm like he's on a hat trick <laughs> in the most in the biggest game. And he's playing yeah. balls out. Why would he come off unless he's really hurt? Yeah. Well, I, I think that that conversation looked to me like and I agree with you that the trainer was trying to sell him. You're not actually hurt. It hurts, but you're not hurt. And there's a difference. But you know, coach is probably right that if you play on it, it does swell up and then maybe you fly back and it swells up again. And so maybe you're the next game you're questionable. He said, but now he's going to be fine. He was over there kicking the ball, running around, doing rehabby type stuff. You know, they were just being precautionary with him. So he should be, we'll see good to go. I mean, it should be no problem. As far as we know, obviously the setbacks can happen. You never know, but coach says he's fine. So. Man, could you imagine if he had hit a hat trick in that game, the rocket ride of his story mm. would take? It's already pretty rockety, dude. I mean, the people are pretty hyped about this kid and the story. Yeah, but I just, but I think it's, it's, it, I, he's on the verge of it becoming a even bigger national type story, like a larger scale national story. I, I it think is this, such a good story. This is going to be like Ryan's accident, where like every time anyone says Ryan's name, they talk to tell about the accident. This is going to be like that. Every time Kamingo ever does anything for the next decade, we're going to be like, oh, did you know that he was a Tanzanian refugee from, I was like, oh my God, dude, really? Played soccer with plastic bags. Oh, yeah, I, it's an amazing story. <laughs> story but a decade from now we're gonna be like dude come on <laughs> we know this story yeah everybody knows the story <laughs> very funny yeah uh all right anything all right. else out from yeah. training before we actually get into the game well there was one more very important player missing oh no yeah mr asir yaramindi was missing so i was like you know grumpy over there mad like this is gonna suck but I I talked to coach about it and he said that here's the deal. And I'm only telling you because he was missing. Otherwise I wouldn't care if he'd been there. Apparently they, they've, they've figured out with him and he was, and he did say, by the way, that he's by far our best player. He said, they have figured out with him that like Mario Diaz, he's peak performance when they make him take games off and they make him go do recovery stuff inside, not games, sorry, practice off. So he said, he said that Yara's mad about it. It pisses him off because he wants to be out there training, but they make him do recovery stuff extra because he's 34 years old and his performance is more peak when he does, when they make him do it. So it's kind of fascinating that he's not hurt. It's just old man stuff where they're just being, they're doing extra kind of, I mean, I don't know what, who knows, oxygening this and, and massaging that. It's and got to be a hyperbaric or, chamber. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> in a glass case, don't nobody touch, break for games, you know, uh, something. Ice bath, they're threatening them yeah. with a cattle prod, you know. It's just, 
<laughs> I just, the, the comparison with Mario Diaz was funny because Mario Diaz never wanted to train ever and was right. always missing all the time with, oh, I'm hurt on this and that, and then would play great. But here are many like mad that they won't let him train every single day. And and the coach said he's the first one in, first one, last one out every time and super dedicated and really takes care of himself. But he's like, he's 34, man. We got to we got to protect him from himself. And so we take care of him, make him take days off. So like, like they do with Paxson, probably. Or they should. Yeah. <laughs> or they, yeah, should. Um, should. Okay, so here we go. Uh, I, you know, once again, Dallas gets. How many years in a row has Dallas played Seattle in the playoffs? Uh, they've met them eight times that eight I can three. remember. That I think I read in the playoffs. I didn't go count. I know that they haven't beaten them since 2019 in Seattle. It was the last time that they beat Seattle oh, up that's there. Right. That was a good and night. That was the, when Lucci was in charge. Thomas Roberts, by the way, started that game. You may not remember Holy this. Holy crap. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he did. I went and looked it up. Thomas Roberts started that game. FC Dallas outshot Seattle 14 to 5, but only had one shot on target. And both of Seattle's goals were own goals. Seattle scored three goals in that game, two against themselves. <laughs> wow. And that was the last time Dallas won in Seattle. It was February 2019. <laughs> I, I guess we kind of just have to get in a good Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. That was the beginning of 2019 when they had those injuries and Thomas started like, you know, six of eight yeah. or something. If you remember, I don't know who the next I remember was. But yeah, Thomas started that day. That was the last time they won in Seattle was with Thomas Roberts. So Thomas Roberts. there you go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, the hot uh, soccer Twitter thing going around the last couple of days is people trying to compare the 2014 to the 2023 U.S. men's national team yeah, because stupid. of the Josie comment, yeah. which is all very funny. Should we do that with the 2019 and 2023 mm. FC Dallas? Yeah. Roster, <laughs> starting 11. <laughs> okay. So here's uh, I have it somewhere. Where did it go? All right, so to play this game, here's the uh, lineup for FC Dallas on that day. So this isn't a playoff game. This, this is, is a regular, regular This game. is the last yeah. time they won in Seattle, period. So, yeah, starting at the nine is Baji. Dominic Baji. Left wing is Jesus Ferreira. <laughs> and they won this game? They won the game. Right <laughs> wing is Michael Barrios. Okay. Starting in the midfield is at the six is Grezzo. Yeah. At the eight is Acosta, and at the free eight is Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. Back four is left back Johnny Nelson. Oh, yeah. Center back is Brisson and Hedges, and right, and right back is Ryan Hollingshead. If you add in the, uh, the car thing, that is a totally fully injured back line. Yeah. So Reynolds, <laughs> I know, Reynolds, Cannon, and Ja'Cory Hayes came off the bench for Dallas. Reynolds replaced uh, Jesus Ferrer and played left, left wing. <laughs> Ja'Cory Hayes replaced Thomas Roberts to play like a double six kind of look, I'm sure. And Reggie came on for Barrios and probably dropped, they probably dropped into like a six-man back line or something. But they, they won okay. that game 2-1 with two own goals from... Was it Jimmy and uh, goal? Do we know if there were any weird betting patterns around this game? <laughs> Uh, no, the, the guess who was in goal, Jesse Gonzalez was in goal. That oh, day. wow. According to FB ref, I assume they're correct. Yeah. Okay. We seriously need to compare those rosters between 2019 and 2023 because I, that's a, that's a salty roster. That's a salty lineup knowing what we know these days, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, poor Lucci. He's a rookie coach at this point. I mean, that's not a terrible lineup. I mean, that's a great lineup. Yeah. I mean, other than Baji in the middle. Yeah. 
I mean, Johnny Nelson probably wasn't, uh, you know, over Ryan Hollingshead was probably a rotational idea. He got Grezzo at the six, Buzz. Ryan was at right back instead of left back, you know, Grezzo at six. I mean, you know, there's a lot to like about that lineup. Okay, yeah. if you put that lineup against the 2023 lineup, who wins? Uh, 2023. Okay. Yeah. Is it a 1-1 draw? <laughs> well, if you want to go position by position, Jesus now at nine is better than Baji at nine then. Okay. Right. Last game, Areola on the wing then. Now is better than Ferrer then at the wing. Barrios to the on, to Bernie. If you want to talk about the last game we watched, Barrios versus Bernie. I don't know. Barrios overall, but Bernie's a better goal scorer, right? Mm-hmm. Thomas is obviously going to be the end diff- of his powers too. Yeah, Thomas uh, versus Allen. I'll take Allen, of course, even though I love Thomas. Grezzo over Iara at six. I mean, they're completely different players. That's a tough call. I might actually take Iara. I'll take Paxson over Brian Acosta, though. Farfan over Nelson. Yeah. Nicosi over Brisson. Yeah. Yeah. Ibby Hedges. No, I'll take Hedges. Right back, I'll take well, Ryan at right back versus uh, Ima. I mean, Ryan left back, no, but Ryan right back. I might okay. take Ima. And Jesse on his heyday versus pause i'll take pause so you know it's about nine to three maybe yeah okay or two that's maybe a fun eight, exercise eight maybe. we should do that more often we should do we should compare rosters dating back in time like do like an old 96 97 roster yeah or 99 roster the u.s 1950 world cup roster. <laughs> <laughs> joe gation versus jesus ferreira yeah Jogations versus Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Excellent stuff. All right, so here we go into Seattle. The first game, yeah. uh, but, but and this is this is so Dallas's luck. They have to play their first game on the road in Seattle on a night that all the other pro teams in Dallas minus the Cowboys are playing, including uh, is it Game Two of the World Series? Uh, game one is Friday, so I don't know when game two Oh, it's, is. maybe it's game three. That's right. It's game three of the World Series. It's the game yeah. in uh, in Arizona, so I think it is, yeah. So uh, the Rangers play, the Mavericks have a game, the Stars have a game, and Dallas, is they're all on TV yep. at the same time. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Well, well, this will get interesting is the idea of, you know, the games aren't super tight, so you don't really need to rotate for – uh, health or not health, man management. You don't really need to do that. But you might think about like, okay, if I'm going to Seattle on turf, you know, does that affect what I'm thinking? Do I want to go more defensive because Seattle's going to come out flying? Or do I really have to go after this game and get this first one? Because if I have to go, you know, if, they, if we lose there and then win at home, then game three is going to be really difficult. Like if I'm going to win it, I need to win this one. You know, is that kind of your thinking? So that's where it, get really, it gets really interesting. There's a lot of places you don't have a lot of choices. You know, while Sam Junka is great, with enough space between the games, it's Farfan every game, right? It's Nikosi every game. It's Ibiagi every game. It's Paz every game. Because of injuries, it's Tuomasi every game. You know Jesus is going to start every game at forward, right? You, you assume at this point Paul and Bernie are going to be the wings, area of Velasco almost certainly is going to be in, in that one hole on the left, the left hole. So then it really gets down to a question of a combination of Paxton, Yara Mendy, does Facundo come back? Do you have Frazier in there? Do you have legit as a factor? So 
I'm going to say that like you want to make a good first impression, so you're going to start with Paxton and Yaramendi on the road this first game. I know it's on turf, but you you do your best. If you're having a good game or if you're getting blown out of either one, then you take those guys out and you bring in Frazier. You bring in whatever. It doesn't matter if you're getting blown out, but you bring in Legette late in the game if he's cleared and if you're winning. And that way when you come back home and you've just run Paxton like – 80 minutes or something on turf, you can let, let him have a game off. And then you can go Ira Mindy legit at home maybe and have that variety in there. Mm. And and the guys that are the most susceptible to injury, which are Ira Mindy and Paxton, even though Paxton's young, you now have a body in legit who can help you there. Maybe you're not ready to start him, but maybe you can get him 20, 30 minutes in a couple of games. You know, that's really where you have your real decisions to make, I think. I don't think that Obreon versus Camungo at this point is a choice. It goes back to when before Bernie got hurt, where it was Bernie all the way above O'Brien. I think it's back to that already. And that lets you go Bernie right, Paul left, which keeps Velasco back in the midfield. And so a lot of these decisions are pretty actually made for you. You know, you really just have a couple of calls to make in the middle based on turf and what you think is your best scenario to win. Obviously, you want to feel your very best team you can when you come back home because you have to win that home game, obviously. So let's just set the table for everybody to make sure everybody's on the same page since MLS has once again janked up the playoffs. It is a best of three, which means the third game is an as-needed situation. It is not aggregate goal either. It is you either win or you lose. If you get to the end of the game and the game is tied, it goes directly to penalty kicks. Yep, that's exactly right. In this round, it goes to extra time in the next round. So you could be getting blown out in Seattle on game one, and that doesn't change anything. You just got to win game two. It doesn't matter if you win one nothing or ten nothing. Yeah, if if you're if you're out of a couple of goals, take out everybody that matters. Put in a bunch of kids and get blown out. Who cares? You know, other than maybe it hurting your psyche a little bit and you want to compete, that would be the thing to consider. But, you know, as you say, there's no aggregate goal, so it doesn't matter. Then you protect the players you need for the home game, the second game. You know, I think you want to try and play this first game pretty aggressively because you want to maintain your form you brought out of L.A. and the fact you haven't lost in like a month and a half. You want to maintain that. And you want to not get blown out of the building in the very first game, you know. And then you, and, but you also want to make sure that you're absolutely 100% with your very best players when you come home. You know, and that that's the battle. And that's where you have to think about those couple of guys. And that's where man management will come in as the game goes along. You know, S- Seattle, I think, will come out blazing, trying to get up early so th- and then sit back. You know, so Dallas can weather the first 15 or 20 minutes. Then they'll probably get a chance to get some of those transition opportunities and maybe get get some good chances on goal. And you can, if you can get get a goal. I mean, they'll, they'll want to do that thing that they do, which is like they'll, they'll want to compress the game down to – eight the first 60, 65 minutes, you know, not let Seattle do anything, you know, take your chances when you can. And then if you, if you get there and it's zero, zero, you try and start to open up a little bit and see if you can get one, you know, that's the way you want to do it. This team's built to do that. So that's the way you do it. Can we just take a minute to kind of uh, at least observe the fact that in many ways, the way Seattle has been playing this season and the way Dallas have been playing this season is not dissimilar to each other. Seattle has the exact same amount of goals scored and only given up five less goals than Dallas has. 
Uh, they, the, Seattle is a defensive-minded. This is a defensive-minded version of Seattle. This isn't yeah. going to be like the same thing that we've seen. They've really struggled to score goals this season. They have. That some of their star players have fallen off, but that, I, I think that's why they'll want to try and get up early, so that then they can be defensive and sit back and take it easy, you know, and not be too aggressive. And you know that they're going to come back down here, which we'll have time to do another podcast before that game happens, but you know, they'll come here and they'll low block the hell out of it. Just like Dallas will do to them up there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I mean, like Dallas, I think I'm correct in saying they've got a kind of veteran young up and coming duo at center back. I don't know enough about their center backs to be able to tell you, but I know that like, um, you know, Morris is not getting it done like he was, and Rui Diaz is not quite getting it done like he was, and Jao Powell is getting a little older, and, you know, they've had some injury problems. But, you know, these teams are very similar. You're right in that. They don't – Seattle doesn't really open it up. They play pretty compact. They don't low block it, but they play like a pretty compact, you know, mid sort of block instead and make you really try and break them down. And this might be a game where you might see, you know, a chance for – Believe it or not, you know, some either a Camungo to get behind, Jesus likes to get behind, you know, those kinds of plays where Dallas is really good at might be available to them. You know, I mean, if you look at the games this season, they tied twice and then Seattle won the the third one, um, which is up in Seattle, but they tied down here and then they tied in Seattle. So mm-hmm. these teams are close. They're very, very similar. Even the game down here was one nothing in Seattle's favor. Again, super tight game. This is going to be all three of these games are going to be you know, zeros or ones probably across the board. Almost do you think, unless do you think it'll out. go three games? I think it's a good chance. Yeah, I really do. Because, you know, D- Dallas at home is pretty good. You know, uh, they've only lost a couple of games at home in forever. And they're pretty good at PKs. Pause is pretty good at stopping PKs. And Dallas is pretty good at taking PKs. They got a bunch of guys that have converted them. You know, they'll keep games on tight. They'll go on the road. They'll kill the game. They'll keep it 0-0-1-1, give themselves a chance. I mean, given how both these teams are very similar, defensive and low scoring, these games are going to be very low scoring games. You're going to probably, you might even see three PK games possibly, you know, mm. so. So on, on the subject of that, you mentioned low scoring and, and, you know, the team's being pretty similar goals for and against. I was just looking up uh the sort of scores that, that Seattle have had, they've actually been shut out 12 times this season. Which is, if you're going to go low scoring, Dallas has been shut out six times. You know, that that kind of, if you're going to have like a 1-0 game, that, that does favor Dallas to a degree. Yeah, like if you look at the average shots per game, Seattle is at 12.6 and Dallas is at 10. But then shots on goal is 3.8 to 3.4. So they're, they're only minusculely better at shots, volume of shots, but not necessarily better at actual scoring. You know, the, it's these teams are remarkably similar. Uh, San Jose, uh, San Jose, Seattle has a few more corners per game on average, but the duels is pretty much the same. The tackles is pretty much the same. Clearances are pretty much the same. You know, they're very, very similar teams. Seattle's considered better because they converted more of it into points in the standings, you know, but I bet you if you went and dug into their injury list, it wouldn't be anywhere near what Dallas's was. So, I think you're looking at teams that are basically incredibly evenly matched and play a very similar style of game. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the difference between the two teams is, uh, what is it, seven points? I mean, yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, and that's just a, indicative of how tight the Western Conference in general was um, uh, over the course of the season. Uh, just side note, sidebar real quick. Can we all just agree uh, 
the decision to restructure the playoff system in this best of three is the dumbest idea. I know why they did it. I know because Apple yeah. wanted more games, but this is a beating to have to do, go through this. Best they just need to stop series. changing it is the worst part. It's like you never have any idea what you're going to get. Uh, I know, but I yeah. mean, even if you're going to change it, this is a stupid change. No aggregate goal yeah. is going to turn into. I mean, we all know that if a, what's going to happen and, you know, with the last 30 minutes of game one, if a team is losing 3-1, they're just going to mail it in. Yeah, I have this theory that someone on the competition committee loves kicks from the spot. And I am afraid the answer is that it's Clark Hunt because remember, <laughs> you remember the, who was it against Portland that they had that 20 round PK that was so exciting. And then there was the Walker Zimmerman one, yeah. which was at Seattle, wasn't it? That one was against yeah. Seattle. That was down here. Yeah. It was down here. here but it was yeah. versus Seattle, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, the, the point being is that someone up there, and it might be Clark Hunt, loves the idea of these kicks right after the game ends rather than ties. You know, because we saw it in MLS Next, we saw it in League's Cup. Now we're seeing it in the playoffs. You know, on the other side of the coin, Dallas is a team that's built to win games on the road. This particular team is and built win games against teams that are better than you, even though I don't think Seattle's better than them. You know, the, the biggest advantage Seattle has is the fact that it is so friggin' hard to win in Seattle for Dallas. The long travel, which is probably why they're going up there so early, the the turf, all those things add up. And that having that third game be in Seattle is really what gives them all the advantage that they need. Otherwise, this is basically a wash. If they played at home and away, it'd be dead even. Mm. It's just stupid. It's such a bad idea Yeah, for a structure. It's, it's um, just weird to go best of three and then go back to one after that. It's just... Well, uh, and, and they just got the playoffs sorted out to the right format finally after all these years to then go, all right, we're going to piss around with it again. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It is very frustrating. Now, after this, it goes back to a normal one-off game, uh, you know, extra time and then penalty kicks uh, for the rest of it after this round. But this next two weeks or whatever, 10 days or whatever it is, is going to be a beating um, uh, of probably not very exciting soccer and a lot of penalty kicks is what I, I think is pretty easy to predict. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. That Charlotte, New York game was something else, man. 5-2. Yeah, oh, yeah but it was a one-off game. Yeah, well, that's, you know, single initiative. People go for it. And the, the, you're right. The best of three is going to be like the old best of three where everybody plays defensive. But then after that, everyone will open it up because you got to win every game. You know, that'll, that'll be fun. That part will be Yeah, everyone's already falling asleep by then. Yeah, right. Everyone's <laughs> tuned out. Fair point. Yeah, this first round may be trash. We'll see. All right. Anything else about the uh, Seattle game? Well, I mean, we'll. Do, I want to move on and talk about the rest of the playoffs, but anything in, in terms of getting prepared for the Seattle game that we need to get into? Uh, I think I just want to reiterate that, like, because there's enough time between games, right? You're going Monday, Saturday. That's plenty of time to have everybody rested. So any changes you see in the lineup are going to be, in my opinion, purely tactical. Like, there's no rotation at this point, right? It's just like, how do I win the series best? How do I win this game best? So if you see shifts, if you see something that's not what you think is the best 11, you know, if you're sitting there at home watching it, try and think about why the changes happen because it'll right. be for a reason. It won't be just random. Okay, so if Paxton starts game one but doesn't start game two, you're telling me that's a tactical thing and not a yeah. protect Paxton thing. No, it'd be 100% be tactical. Okay. Yeah, it would be because you feel like Lejet is better if that's who goes in for him. Because... There's plenty of time. It, if you rest Paxton from game one to game two, 
that's not going to be because uh, I'm worried about Paxton getting injured. That's just going to be because I think there's a man matchup that's better. Because if, if you thought Paxton couldn't go 90, then you could just sub him early twice because you got five subs. It's not a problem. You know, it's not it's not that if they, if they change the lineup, it'll be a tactical choice to play more defensive or left defensive or more attacking or less attacking or stifle the game or something, you know, like this. This coach will swap. Well, you'll see things like it only happened a couple of times, but like depending on who they played one time, they flipped Paxton from he usually plays on the right because he shoots left foot. He's a lefty. Right. So they this, this one game they flipped him and they put Paxton on the left because they wanted him to play curling balls that died right behind the defense because this particular team played a really high line. So this coach is that kind of nuance. We're like, so if you see a change from game one to game two, it'll be it for a tactical reason and not a fitness reason. Unless somebody gets hurt, of course, that's different. But hmm. my barring injuries, that's what will be happening. All right, Buzz, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. How's this, how's this going to play out? I think they tie <laughs> this game. One one and go to PKs. Uh, what about I the ser- what about the series? Oh, the series. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm Seattle's going to win the series. Okay. The home field advantage of being in Seattle twice is too much to overcome. Dan, would you? I know you're not a big predictor. Would you like to predict? Um, I, yeah, I'm gonna say Seattle and hope to be proven wrong. I mean, yeah, I'm certainly. I would love. I'm cheering for something else than that, but I just, I just think that it's. The home field advantage in this league is too much. We all know it's really high. We all know that Dallas has hardly ever won in Seattle ever, maybe once or twice ever. So it's like, and, and it's you know, not like I'm so disappointed in you. Schmetz is, is a good coach in these situations. Yeah, yeah, he's taken him to MLS Cup so many. Seattle's times. built for this. All right, you both poopy-headed haters. I'm yeah. picking Dallas in Ooh. three, and all gate, all three games will go to PKs. Oh yeah, you're gonna win the PK Ooh. in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. There will be so many heart attacks. In- <laughs> <laughs> do you want to predict the other, the rest of the bracket? Uh, uh, sure. We could do it. We could just do it real quick. L.A. Vancouver. L.A. L.A. Okay. Houston. Uh, Salt Lake. Houston. Houston. They're good. All right. Uh, so right now, as we are recording, hold on, let me look. Uh, it is still nil-nil in Kansas City. So one of those two teams, San Jose or Kansas City versus uh, St. Louis. Well, no, either one of them will lose to St. Louis. That's fine. That's good. Um, okay. If it's Kansas City, I have them be in St. Louis. Ooh, really? Okay. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we know Red Bull beat up on Minty today, 5-2. So uh, Cincinnati, Red Bull. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Philly, New England. Philly. The crew versus the Union. I mean, uh, United, Atlanta. Yeah, I'll stay with Columbus also. It's very chalk. Okay. And uh, Oscar versus Nashville. Puppy. I'll take Oscar too, yeah. Okay. Very chalk this year. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I'm very excited to get out of this best of three system and get into the meat (laughs) of the tournament. But uh, there you go. Um, all right. Any, let's see. And then the next thing we wanted awards. to t- awards. Yeah. We wanted to kind of do oh, this. I thought you yeah. wanted to do the whole way through. No, just let's start here and then we'll see how it plays out from there. Unless you guys want to go all the way through. Can I give you my dodgy prediction? Yes, sure. of course. Poppy is winning MLS cup. Oh God. I'd be there for that. Oh uh, yeah. I'd be all in on They'll that. Have, they would have home advantage over anyone in MLS. In the West, sorry. So, on the day, 
you know, he was terrible at two two legged games because he'd always go defensive and then try and win the second one and get turned over in the first. But in a one off game, that's your guy. Which big money team's going to pay him the most money at the end of the year to get him to coach? Man United, obviously. <laughs> oh, no. I'm assuming it's an MLS team. God damn it. Ah. That would be awesome. <laughs> if I had to bet, I wouldn't shock to see him in, in LA playing, coaching the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone mentioned San Diego the other day, and I was like, well, I mean, you yeah. know, he was at Cholos, a lot of money to spend, that time to develop the academy. That's a hotbed of youth soccer. That's kind of the stuff he likes. It's the chill out. In an area that he's been, yeah. It's San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's a good one, too. Wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, Wow. I love your pick, Dan. I'm with you. I'm sticking with FC Cincinnati, but I love your pick. Uh, dig it. I do like it. That would be great. Um, okay. So, uh, let's see. We wanted to kind of quickly just kind of do end of the season rewards, uh, award stuff. Yeah. As we um, always do end of the regular yeah. season. I like yeah. the idea of end of the season rewards. Here's a $5 Starbucks gift card. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our first $5 Starbucks gift card for MVP goes to who Dan? Um, I'm, I'm torn, uh, but I'm going to say Martin Paz. Buzz? Wow. I also am saying Martin Paz. Make it a hat trick. Hat trick. I Martin have. Paz. Yes. Uh, yeah. Martin Paz. Uh, wow. I didn't down. think you guys were going to do that. I thought you were going to go for Jesus. So I was no, like, uh, Paz. Martin Paz, man. You know, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus got cold. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. he did, but let's With be honest. Refrigerator like, on us. Well, he did, but. You know, they just won the first game that he didn't score in. Um, he's only one game that he has scored in, they've lost. You know, I mean, he's still, like, head and shoulders above everyone on the outfield, but Paz, 16 games, uh, he conceded fewer than the XG. He top five in just about every stat category in MLS. I mean, the guy's just incredible. I thought you were switching your vote for a second there, the way you were talking about it. No, 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 no. Just just saying, it's, it's, you know, it's 1A, 1B. I have a feeling, looking at the the three other categories, (laughs) we're going to hat trick the rest of this pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, Maybe not, maybe not. Well, Defender of the Year is obvious. It's got to be Tafari, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I gave MVP to pause, I'm going Tafari for Defender of the Year. Yeah. Okay. Because yes. a goalie could be defender of the year if you want. True. Okay. We could, true. we could do the uh, the FC Dallas team awards definition that year that Reggie wasn't eligible for defender of the year, but Victor <laughs> Ayo was. Uh, I'm going to say Jesus Ferreira. For defender of the year? Yeah. Yep. Defender of the year. He's a no. great outside back. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we also have written down young player and newcomer. That's the same person, isn't it? Not necessarily. No. Well, I know not necessarily, but I think for the purposes of voting this particular year, it has to be Bernie for both of those things, doesn't it? I don't have Bernie it? for either one of those things. I don't Really? Know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Dan, go ahead. You go first. Okay. So mine is Alan because he's- For which fantastic. one? Young player? For young player because okay. he's not a newcomer. Um, I would- the only the, the reason I wouldn't say Bernie is because he only did five- He only had 500 minutes. My young player of the year has to play the bulk of the minutes. Okay, fair. All right. All right. I had thought of it that way. My young player of the year is Jesus Ferreira because he's only 22. Oh, good grief. Now you're cheating. 
Well, why is that cheating? He's 22. Uh, because he's uh, in, in FC Dallas years, he's like 37. <laughs> no one put a disclaimer on the front of this thing. I'm sticking hey, with Jesus. He doesn't Chris qualify for 22 under 22, so he's ancient. That's not the same as not being available for a young player. He's 22 years old, man. He'll be 23 in December. Let's get another wire. I swear, I've known Jesus longer than I've known members of my own family. There's no way yeah, he's young player true. of the year. Yeah, he is. Okay. All he's right. definitely not a newcomer. It, it's yeah. your stupid podcast. You Who? do. You run it however you want to. <laughs> Who's your young player of the year? I had Bernie. I just Bernie? thought, uh, yeah, kid comes in. You know, he used to play soccer with a bag, a plastic bunch of plastic bags, and yeah, you know. that's, a, that's a good story. Did you know that he was a refugee? I had no idea. Yeah, I know. It's a crazy story. The one part about that story I learned from the podcast was that he would never even been on grass until he came here, which is amazing <laughs> to me. I was like, that's wow. He grew up playing soccer on yeah, shards on of glass, and, not and grass, trash, but glass. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, new, uh, so how are you defining newcomer? Okay. My, you want to hear my newcomer first? Well, now that I think about it, I think it's obvious who your newcomer yeah, it's is. It's us here. ER are Mindy. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> who got here like a month, a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much the newest player on the team. Uh, okay. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Dan, who's your newcomer of the year? Uh, so I'm going to, uh, differ from Buzz a little just because, you know, he's so new. I'm actually going to say, uh, Sebastian Ibiaga, uh, oh. leads led, I think he was top five in MLS with 149 clearances, uh, for the team, third in interceptions, third in blocks, first in aerial duels, second in touches, fourth in minutes. Um, you know, you had that Matt Hedges size hole to fill and, uh, you know, maybe, square peg round hole but it's mostly you know it's pretty well filled hmm. all right well um congratulations to all of our award winners i hope they don't spend their five dollar <laughs> gift cards at starbucks too quickly i guess there's that's no one. actual gift card there is no actual <laughs> gift cards we do need to we but do need to there is a discount code to Soccer 90. Yeah. <laughs> you get a 20% discount at Soccer 90. Yeah. Just, just what you get. Yes. <laughs> but some exclusions may apply. <laughs> we might be late enough in the season that there's not that many exclusions left. All right. We'll have more end of season awards after the actual season is over, right? No, no, that's it. We always do regular season. Oh, I thought we did something after no. playoffs if they were in the playoffs too. No. Like no, best. The playoffs is what makes it have you have to do regular season because not everybody has playoffs. In some playoffs, you go one game versus like five games. So, all right, we don't so, get to vote on best off field drama. I mean, you if you want to add some categories right now? I'm in. Let's go. What do you got? Well, I hadn't thought of them yet. I just no. I just feel like there should be more than just those four. There's know. only four I could remember. I couldn't remember any other categories than that. By the way, Buzz, I do have to say, out of the L.A. game, I was uh, if there was a disappointment. It was that in scoring the four goals that they scored, that meant that they did not hit that statistical oddity that you brought up the other day that we were going to add to the list. Yeah, I thought of that when it was happening. That was a bummer. Question about that. Was that just FC Dallas or was that MLS in general? MLS in general. Because Will you repeat it, please, Buzz? Yeah. For those who maybe not have listened to last week's podcast. I, I did not make this stat up. It came from MLS. The Dallas was at the time they had scored, it was 36 and 37. I can't remember which one was which goals allowed and goals for. Um, and since the league expanded to a 34 game season, which was back in like 2011, no team in that stamp 
period, not counting the 2020 shortened season, of course. No team had ever had both goals for and goals against under 39 in, in the same season. Wait, so it was under 39? Yeah. Ah, uh, I thought it was under 40. No, under no, 39. Under 39. New York Red Bulls came in at 36 and 39, yeah. and Nashville came in at 39 and 32. There are other teams that have been close, but Dallas would have been the first team to have both under 39. And that would have been a monumental achievement to be. And a fantastic addition to the list. Yeah, it would have been phenomenal. And then they went out and blew LA out of the water and broke the stat. So, Hmm. you know. Ah, well. All right. Uh, They obviously listened to the podcast and said, you know what? Screw you. We're going to break that. (laughs) They do say screw you a lot. Or, Or LA did. One of the two. I mean, I'm sure there are people at SC Dallas that listen to the podcast. If a player listens to that, I would be really shocked. There's no way a player listens to our podcast. I just hey, can't when, believe that. You know, when when you when you played sports, did you not like listen to music and stuff that kind of pissed you off and got you in the mood before a game? Sure. But not yeah. a podcast. <laughs> so there, there you go. They just listen to you well, and then, they're like, okay. all right, I'm ready to break someone's leg now. There were no podcasts back then. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a real funny story. My brother in high school played defensive end on the high school football team, and he would listen to a song that would get him fired up and pissed off. It was Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know I'm why. Too young to understand that. Yeah, I don't know. Peter will get it. I have no idea why, but that song used to make him mad. Something about it. I, I like, I'm a big Terrence Chant Derby fan, and there's not a single one of his songs that I would describe as yeah. uh, pregame fire-up music. I thought it was weird back then, but he said, yeah, it gets me going. I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, there you go. That is crazy. <laughs> I know, right? well. Yeah, she well my transfer driver. Give me, yeah. give me 30 <laughs> seconds to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, my brother doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never know I outed him, but that's funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hate to find out what your brother listens to to get in the sexy time mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He's got four kids, so something. <laughs> Probably Metallica. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, here we go. Uh, guys, we are now into the playoffs once again. The guys, they pulled it off. They got it done. Good for them. Here we go. Is, is Dan back there listening Dan to Terrence? Found Terrence and Darby. <laughs> Wishing well. Wishing well, kiss and tell. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> there <That's> may be. <laughs> terrible. Well, I don't know. If you listen to that too long, Dan, you may end up with a crook baby uh, pretty quick. Dan, after this, go listen to Buffalo Stance by Nina Cherry. Yeah. That, um, can, I mean, I know who Nina <laughs> Cherry is. Oh, oh wow. Um, wow. Nina Cherry. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't know who that is? Come wait on. a second. Are you telling me, Dan, you didn't know who Darren's Trent Darby is? No, how would I? Well, because he's... I, I did you know who Nina been, Cherry uh, is? Maybe it's like a... Maybe it's a foreign thing. I don't, I don't know. Apparently, he's he from England. Like the, yeah. He's the English <laughs> prince. Yeah. He was yeah, huge. Terrence Trent Darby's awesome. And then, of course, he kind of went off the rails and changed his name and has been battling the record companies for the last 15 years yeah. to try to get his records reissued in his new current, uh, I think it's Muslim or Arabic or something name or whatever. But yeah, that's why he's the English prince, because he's got the name change thing. Oh, I was uh, I, I was nine months old at the height of his career. <laughs> Okay, this podcast Holy is shit, over. I'm old. This podcast is definitely over. Oh. All right. Uh, well, thank you for ruining my evening, Dan. It's always great Anytime. to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and Buzz, thank you for all your enthusiasm and going out and covering the team and all that stuff. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Training was fun today. I'll give you that. I'm going to go take my uh, Geritol and <laughs> go to bed. Say hello <laughs> to the Corgis for us. I will say hello to the Corgis. Uh, uh, absolutely. They will. And they say hello back to you, too, Buzz, yeah, by the way. They're very friendly. All right, so uh, Monday night, amongst all the other Dallas sports stuff, Dallas versus Seattle. I think the game's at 8 o'clock, I believe that's correct. Uh, from memory, that's correct. Yeah, 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8 o'clock. Um, there's two games on Monday. The Orlando-Nashville game's at 6, and the Dallas game's at 8 o'clock. The second game is on Saturday the 4th here in Frisco. Also, also 8, 8 o'clock. Also yeah. 8 o'clock. And yep. then if they need a third game, that game falls uh, on November Friday 10th. the 10th. At 9 o'clock. And it would be a 9 o'clock start uh, from Lumen Field. So uh, we'll see if we get that far or not. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop their awesome selection of FC Dallas gear, national team gear, club gear. I was just in there today, man. They got all kinds of amazing stuff. Way more than I can afford. Everything you might want, jersey tees, scarves. If you're a third degree listener, you get 20% off at soccer90.com when you use the code third degree at checkout. Soccer90.com, third degree code, 20% off. Some exclusions do apply. All right, boys. Thank you very much. Look forward to uh, uh, having. So, are we going to record? Yeah, we'll record between the first and oh, second yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next Wednesday should be fine. Yeah. Very good. I love it. Yeah. All right. Playoffs are here. Dig it. Um, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you hopefully with some good news on another episode next week of Third Degree the Podcast. Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. Wow.